whew, I don't know about you, but I cannot believe that another year has come and gone. It's December 28th, folks, 2014. In just a few more days, we're going to be ringing in the new year once again. And in keeping with tradition, that means it's time for a little introspection, evaluating the past and setting a few goals for the future. We call it making resolutions. Speaking of which, how did you do with last year's resolutions? Do you even remember what resolutions you made at this time last year? Oh, but this year is going to be different, right? Yeah, this year is going to be way different. Let's watch this together. This year will be different. This year will be different. This year will be different. This year, I need to eat less. You know what? I do solemnly swear that this year I will lose 10 pounds. Or at least five. Five is the magic number. That's how many times I want to visit my grandmother this year, which would be five more than last year. Learn to wait. I always want things instantly. I need patience. Now! This year, I'll be nicer to my parents. What, Mom? Get off my back. I just need peace in my life. I'm just so nervous all the time. I just... I'm twitching. Three kids. I'm a twitcher. I'm twitching. I twitch. I just can't seem to get my pits to stop sweating. Can you can you see this? Look, when did I become the human leak? I mean, I know I've got some stress about my future and everything, but why can't I just be like everyone else and you conceal it? Okay, I'll just have to fake it till I make it. And I'll be better than I've ever been in my entire life. If I'm going to make this year count, I have to do some things differently. To pay time. Make some goals this year. Just three, not ten. Stop judging people who aren't like me. Stop snapping at my kids. Dream. Character over image. Learn that I'm loved, but not entitled. God, did you forget about me? I'm here. Just show me what to do. Give me the strength to change. What am I saying? I don't even know if I want to change, God. I'm comfortable. I have a good life. I know. You want the best for me. So why don't I want the best for me? Starting tomorrow, using my gifts and talents, I'm going to live my life differently. God's way. I'm tired of keeping this great gift. A secret. Can I tell you a secret? I feel like I'm separated from something. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But whatever I need, it's bigger than this world can offer. I offer my life, God. It's something much more than what I can see. So please, God, would you just take this little bit of faith that I have? I just can't wait another year. Hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, this year's going to be different. I just can't wait. <laughs> Another year. That's that's good. I hope we're all in that place today. Amidst all of the resolutions, many of which, by the way, will have to do with getting into shape physically, to lose weight, to diet, to exercise, to quit this or that bad habit. On this last Sunday of 2014, I thought it would be good for us to wrap up this old year and get ready for the new year by resolving to pursue spiritual fitness together. Would you please read 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 10 out loud with me. Let's read this together. Take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Bodily fitness has a certain value, but spiritual fitness is essential both for this present life and for the life to come. There is no doubt about this at all. And Christians should remember it because we realize the paramount importance of the spiritual. Yeah. This morning, as we're considering various resolutions, as we're promising that this year will be different. Let's zero in on this area of spiritual fitness. From these verses here in 1 Timothy 4, first of all, let me say a word about the priority of spiritual fitness. Paul leaves us no doubt in these verses about the priority of keeping ourselves spiritually fit. Verse 8, bodily fitness has a certain value, but spiritual fitness is essential. It's essential. Verse 10, we realize the paramount importance of the spiritual. Now, we're really into physical fitness in our American culture. Diet and exercise have become an obsession for many, and yet statistics tell us we're more overweight and out of shape than ever in our country. But weight loss programs and health clubs profit in the billions of dollars every year, and there's no busier period of recruitment than right now. (laughs) The new year. People are making resolutions. Now Paul admits that physical fitness has a certain value. He doesn't deny the importance of keeping oneself in shape physically. But Paul is quick to point out that spiritual fitness is of even greater value. It is essential. It is of paramount Importance. It should be a top priority for our lives. I like to put it this way. It's good to be physically fit. It is better to be spiritually fit. It is best to be both physically and spiritually fit. Now, if spiritual fitness is so important, then why don't we invest as much or more time, energy, and resources into getting into shape spiritually as we do into getting into shape physically? Well, the answer is simple. We are simply not convinced that spiritual fitness is really a priority. We might say it with our lips, but we don't show it with our lives. We might think it, 
in our heads, but we don't believe it in our hearts. You see, the problem is with our value system. Every day we make choices in life according to what we are convinced is of value or benefit to us personally. Those things we value the most, we do. Those things we value the least, we don't do. It's really quite simple. And we all have plenty of time to do that which we believe is the most beneficial or profitable or enjoyable to us. I mean, we always take time to eat, to sleep, to work. And you could add a few more. Because we're determined that we just can't live without these things. But we're not as convinced that we cannot live without being spiritually fit. And because our spiritual fitness isn't as valuable to us as other things, our spiritual lives get pushed aside, crowded out, placed on the back burner. Does that make sense? I mean, if we really believed that spiritual fitness is a priority, we would choose to do anything and everything that we possibly could to get into shape spiritually. If we truly valued being spiritually fit before and above other things, then we would willingly sacrifice our time, our energy, and our resources to make sure that it happens. Therefore, what we need to do is reorder our priorities. We need to become convinced of the paramount importance of the spiritual. That spiritual fitness is essential both for this present life and for the life to come. Now there's a story in the Gospel of Luke that illustrates that point so very well. I asked you to turn there at the beginning of today's lesson. And so hopefully you have your Bible open. If you do, follow along as I read this story. To you. Luke chapter 10, we pick it up with verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Don't miss that. Only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Look at verses 41 and 42 once again. Martha, Martha, You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. How many Marthas we have here today? I mean, this story, every time I read it, it speaks so loud and clear to me. (laughs) I mean, here's these two sisters, Mary and Martha, who have... Jesus to their house. And and Martha does what most of us, I think, would do. She's hurrying and scurrying about, straightening things up, making sure things are in order and you know everything looks presentable. And she's probably getting lunch on, don't you think? 
I mean, she's taking care of the needs and she's working herself into a fret. <laughs> and the sweat is pouring off of her brow. And here's her sister sitting on her bottom in front of Jesus. And she comes to Jesus. Not to her sister. She comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, would you please tell my sister to get off of her duff and to give me some help? <laughs> and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're so worried, you're so distracted, you're so diverted, you're so anxious about so many things. But you know, that's us. <laughs> there are so many things vying for our attention in this world today. There are so many, cho- we have more choices before us today than what we've ever had in the history of humankind. I mean, we are, we are faced with choices Day in and day out, one right after the other. And, and we do make those choices. And Jesus says to Martha, you made the wrong choice, sister. Only one thing's needed here. Only one thing's going to last. Only one thing has eternal value. And your sister Mary chose that. Now, it doesn't say it in the text, but I often wondered if Jesus didn't say, why don't you have a seat? Jesus Himself summed it up this way, Matthew 6 and verse 33. Give God first place in your life and live as He wants you to live. So first, we must be convinced of the priority of spiritual fitness. Because if we're not, the rest of this lesson (laughs) makes no sense. Now let's talk about the program for spiritual fitness. If you've ever been to a gym or a fitness center and worked with a personal trainer, some of the very first questions that they ask you are, why are you here? What do you hope to accomplish? Where do you want to be 3, 6, or 12 months? From now, anybody ever have that happen? Yeah. And how you answer those questions helps them to determine what kind of fitness program to set up for you. Now, statistics show that people work out at a health club for at least one of these five reasons. Some desire cardiovascular fitness. They want a healthy heart. Some desire just to look good. To get into and to stay in shape. Some desire to socialize with others. The gym is a place to meet people. Some desire strength and conditioning, building and toning muscle groups. And some desire weight loss shedding a few pounds or a few inches. Well, as I see it, an all-around spiritual fitness program should touch on these same five reasons in a spiritual sense. Let me explain. First of all, cardiovascular fitness. Leads me to ask you the question, what is the condition of your heart today? I'm not talking now about your physical heart. Understand that? I'm talking here about your heart of hearts. Is it spiritually fit? 
Do you have a healthy heart? Spiritually speaking? Solomon warned us in Proverbs 4 and verse 23, above most other things, guard your heart. Is that what he said? No! He didn't say that. Hello? He said above all things. What's above all things mean? (laughs) It means above all things. (laughs) Yeah. Above everything else. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Yeah, don't miss that, man. When I think of a heart in relationship to spiritual fitness, the key word that comes to my mind here is the word worship. Jesus Himself said that the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the question is, do we love God with all of our hearts? Is it our supreme desire to worship Him 24 hours a day, 7 days a week as a lifestyle, to honor Him in everything that we do and say and think? Are our hearts undivided and unreserved in our worship of Him? Read John 4 and verse 23 out loud with me. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. God is looking for people like that. He's on the hunt for people who will worship Him. For people who will give themselves totally and completely to Him in their worship. Worship. Now, as we learned a few weeks ago in a Bible lesson on this very subject, worship is a whole life experience. Everything we do, say, and think 24 hours a day, seven days a week is a lifestyle of worship to God. And worship has many expressions, both privately and publicly. But, just to narrow it down a bit for our application in today's study, here's the resolution I want to challenge you to make for this coming new year. I resolve that During 2015, I will make every effort to keep myself spiritually fit by regularly participating in Sunday morning worship services. By regularly participating in Sunday morning worship services. Now worship, again, is much bigger than what we do together here on Sunday morning, but that's a good place to start, is it not? (laughs) To make a commitment that we would be here Unless something prohibits us from doing so, that we will make it a priority to be here every Sunday. That we possibly can be here. Worshiping together with God's people in this place. Number two. The second reason people go to a gym is for looking good. And so I ask the question, are we looking good? Spiritually speaking. Can others tell by looking at us that we are indeed spiritually fit? Is there a noticeable difference in our lives, especially in comparison to unbelievers around us? In 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, Paul reminded Timothy to set an example for others by his life. In verse 15, he tells Timothy to live his life in such a way so that everyone may see your progress. And in verse 16, he tells Timothy, keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. I like that. It's kind of like Nike. Just do it. (laughs) Both you and those who hear you 
will experience salvation. You see, when I think about looking good in relationship to spiritual fitness, the key word that comes to mind here is the word evangelism. I mean, the reason that we look good, spiritually speaking, is to attract unbelievers to Christ. To be salt and light to the world around us so that our lost family members and friends who see us and who hear us will also experience the salvation that we have experienced. In Titus 2, verse 10, Paul tells us to live our lives in such a way so that in every way you will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. you ever think about that? You're to be attractive as a Christian. <laughs> Attractive in such a way, not that people draw their eyes and their attention to you, but that you might be one who reflects Christ and they are drawn to see Christ in you and they're drawn to Him and they see Him in you and they're attracted to that and they go, I want that. I don't know what it is that He's got. I don't know what it is that she's got. But I want that. I'm missing that in my life. And I really, really, really want to be like that. So here's the resolution I challenge you to make for the new year. I resolve that during 2015 I'll make every effort to keep myself spiritually fit by seeking ways to show and share my faith with others. Seeking ways to show and to share my faith with others. To be salt and light. To recognize the only sermon some people may ever see is you. And much more of the good news is caught than is ever taught. And people are watching you. They are. They are watching you. What do they see? Number three. Another reason people go to the gym is to be with others. Fitness is something that is best pursued in partnership with other people. Not alone. That's why... Groups of people go to Weight Watchers and etc. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. Are we building relationships with other Christ followers who share the same goal of spiritual fitness that we have? I mean, are we consistently spending time with other believers nurturing deep and meaningful relationships with Him? The key word here is the word fellowship. According to Acts 2 and verse 42, the early Christians devoted themselves to the fellowship, the koinonia, community. And this fellowship is further described in Acts 2 and verses 44 and 46. In fact, let's read these verses together. Would you read them with me? All the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. They worshipped regularly each day met in small groups and homes and shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness. There was a sense of community among them. Now it's no accident that the term one another, which by the way is only one word in the Greek, is used 58 times in the New Testament. To love one another, to serve one another, to forgive one another, to bear with 
One, one another, one another, one another, one another. You see, they understood the importance of building loving and lasting relationship with each other. So here's the resolution I want to challenge you to make for this new year. I resolved that during 2015. I will make every effort to keep myself spiritually fit by intentionally building relationships with other Christ followers. Intentionally. I put that word in there, intentionally. (laughs) Excuse the pun. Intentionally building relationships with other Christ followers. That's not going to happen on Sunday morning, folks, when we're staring at the back of somebody's head. You with me? Now, we have some fellowship that takes place here, and we have a once a month potluck on the first Sunday and we get to eat together and enjoy food and fellowship around the table. And all that's important. But real fellowship is going to happen outside of this place. Do you understand that? It's going to happen by us intentionally, there's that word, intentionally reaching out to one another. Hey, let's get together. Let's go down the hill together. Let's eat a meal together. Let's do this Do that together. That's going to take some intentional effort on our part. Now, one of the things we're going to do this next year, some of you are familiar because I think they did this up at Lighthouse and some of you come from Lighthouse. But starting next Sunday, we're going to start taking sign-ups for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Are you familiar with that ministry? And we're going to to implement that here this next year. Basically what this is, is we're going to look for some hosts and hostesses, first of all, who are willing to have people into their home for dinner. So some of you will sign up to be hosts or hostesses. Others of us will sign up to go to dinner and to bring dessert with us. We're the dessert bringers. But here's the key. You don't know whose house you're going to until like the week before you go. And then you got to keep it a secret. And you don't have any idea who else is going to be there. And the hosts and hostess don't have any idea who's coming. We just kind of mix it all up. <laughs> and it all just kind of comes out. <laughs> and, and we have people, we do it once a quarter, once every three months. We'll do our first dinner in February. And then we'll do it every three months thereafter, four times during 2015. And you'll end up in different homes, different hosts and hostesses, and we'll all get to meet each other in different ways, in different places. And I think it's going to be pretty cool. And so starting next Sunday, we're going to start taking sign-ups for that. We'll take a couple weeks and just do that. And it'll give us a chance to get to know each other in a much greater way than we can on Sunday morning. I, I, hope, you, I hope we have 100% participation. I really do. I think it's going to be a pretty cool thing. Number four. The fourth reason people go to fitness centers is strength and conditioning. Which leads me to ask you the question, how are we doing spiritually speaking when it comes to strength and conditioning? How are our spiritual muscles? Do they need a little toning? A little building? The writer of Hebrews challenged his readers on this matter this way. He said, by now you should have been teachers. But once again, you need to be taught the simplest things about what God has said. You need milk instead of solid food. People who live on milk are like babies. Solid food is for mature people who have been trained. We must try to become mature and start thinking about more than just the basic things we were taught. 
about Christ. Now the key word here, of course, is the word discipleship. It is God's desire that we develop some spiritual muscle. As Paul put it in Ephesians 4 verse 13, to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now becoming Christ-like is a lifelong process, folks, and there are no shortcuts. (laughs) Spiritual strength and conditioning is built day after day after day after day after day through spiritual exercise. How do we get from being a skinny, scrawny, weak believer to a solid-toned, buff, strong disciple? One step at a time. One discipline at a time. One day at a time. So here's the resolution I want to challenge you to make for the new year. I resolve that during 2015, I'll make every effort to keep myself spiritually fit by making a daily quiet time and everyday discipline in my life. A daily quiet time. I think that's where it really starts, is every day each of us as individuals making a commitment of the spiritual discipline of spending some time in God's Word and prayer on a daily basis. Every single day, 365 days a year. So, to help you do that, out on the lobby table. I have a couple handouts for you this morning. The first one's called How to Have a Quiet Time. And, and this, by the way, is where most people fail. The reason they don't have an effective quiet time, a consistent quiet time, is because they don't know how to have one. Nobody's ever showed them how. So this shows you how. How to have a quiet time. Just a simple read, but uh, take that home with you. You've got a couple days before the first of the month to read that, to get yourself ready for the new year. The second handout that's back there is an introduction to the book of James. What in the world is that for? Because starting next Sunday, we're going to start a new study series here on Sunday mornings that's going to take us verse by verse through the book of James. It's going to take us three months to get through the book of James together. And every Sunday, I'm going to have a handout for you uh, 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 that has questions on it and journaling sections on it and places where you can take notes on it. And it, you will camp out each week in the text that we're going to be preaching on the following week. Does that make sense? And so if you don't have a regular... Now, some of you may already have a regular quiet time and this won't work for you, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to change my quiet time and I'm going to do this. So I'm challenging you to join me in this endeavor and every Sunday pick up next Sunday's outline and spend the entire week prior to that following Sunday just studying in those verses that we're going to be studying about the following Sunday. Let that be your quiet time for the week. Does that make sense? And so for this week, I've just given you a little introduction sheet. Who is James? Where did it come from? What is the book? Etc., etc. You take that home. It's going to take you like five minutes to read that at the very most. And then what do you do? Then this week, you read through the book of James, the entire book, twice. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Read through. It's only five chapters. It doesn't take very long to do. You can do it in one setting. Real easy. 
So what I'm asking you to do is not a whole lot. I just want you to read through the book of James twice this next week. And as you're reading through it, just jot down some ideas, some questions. Uh, if something strikes you and you go, boy, I don't understand that, write it down on a piece of paper. Because we'll get to it. I promise. <laughs> Sometime during the course of our study together. So that's your assignment for this week. Is just spend some time in the book of James uh, reading it. Then next Sunday, because I'm going to do a, an introduction sermon next Sunday. Does that make sense? We're going to give an overview of the book. Next Sunday then, you'll pick up the handout for the following week. That will take you verses 2 through 12 of chapter 1, which I'll be preaching about on the first Sunday in January. See how that's going to work? I mean, you'll, kind of, you'll kind of, or actually the second Sunday in January. And you'll keep up with it. You'll actually be ahead of me. But that's the way I want it to be because I want you to spend some time in that text prior to our coming together. So a daily quiet time. Number five, the fifth reason people go to a gym is weight loss. <laughs> Which leads me to ask the question, spiritually speaking, are we a bit flabby? <laughs> Have we become maybe a little too sedentary in our walk with Christ? Are we taking in and not giving out as much as we take in? I mean, the temptation to shift into neutral and become a pew potato can affect any one of us. I find it interesting that Paul had to actually remind Timothy in verse 14, do not neglect your gift. And then again in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul tells Timothy to fan to flame the gift. You see, even Timothy had the tendency to lose his motivation to serve. Now the key word here, of course, is, is the word ministry. Serving, if you want to write that down maybe. Now God has given each and every Christian a unique shape, S-H-A-P-E, for serving Him. S, meaning spiritual gifts. H, for heart or passion. A, for abilities, talents, and skills. P, for personality and temperament. E, for life experiences. God never wastes an experience. And if you've been around Springville Naz very long at all, no doubt you've heard me talk about how important it is for each and every one of us to discover our shape and then to do our very best to minister according to our shape. Now right now I'm working on some shape materials. We preached a sermon series on this last year. We weren't recording back then, and I'm sorry for that. We'll have to do that series again sometime and get it recorded for you. But I'm putting together some materials to hand out that will be available for you, kind of a take-home thing for you, if you will, to help you to develop and, and, and deploy your shape in ministry. So I'm hoping in the next few weeks to have those available for you so that everyone can be on the same page. I love the way the message paraphrases Ephesians 6, verses 6 and 7. Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants, doing what God wants you to do, and work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter what, who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. So here's the resolution I want to challenge you to make for the new year. I resolve that during 2015, I will make every effort to keep myself spiritually fit by finding a place to serve according to my shape. Finding a place to serve according to my shape. Make sure that I'm giving out 
at least as much as I'm taking in. That's the program for spiritual fitness. But there's one more important principle that we've got to at least touch on before we conclude this morning. And that's the price of spiritual fitness. Read the first part of 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7 out loud with me. Would you do that? Take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Yeah, it does. It takes time and some trouble for this to happen. In fact, the New International Version just simply says, train yourself to be godly. Now, interesting word, this word train. A couple of observations. First, this verb is in the continuing action tense, which means literally it should be translated, keep on training yourself or continually train yourself, which reminds us then that spiritual fitness is not a destination. It is a journey. Did you hear me? You should write that down. Spiritual fitness is not a destination. You don't get there and all of a sudden go, Ah, I'm there. No. Spiritual fitness is not a destination. It's a journey. It's a lifelong journey until Jesus comes again or we go to meet Him face to face when we die. And second, in its roots, this verb train comes from the same Greek word from which we get our English word gymnast. Is that interesting? Do you know what price a world-class gymnast has to pay to be able to compete? That's incredible. Why do I say that? Because that's the same price we have to pay. Oh, whoa. It's going to be costly for us to become spiritually fit. It's no accident that throughout this passage in 1 Timothy 4, Paul uses words like labor and strive and devote yourself and do not neglect and persevere. I mean, the point is there's a price to be paid for spiritual fitness and we have to be willing to sacrifice our time and our energy and our resources and sometimes that cost is not cheap. Sometimes it will be incredibly inconvenient. To have to get up a little earlier to read your Bible and pray. Sometimes we'll experience a whole lot of pain before we experience the gain. Sometimes we'll get discouraged. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to want to throw in the towel. Sometimes your progress will be so painfully slow you wonder if you're making any progress at all. Sometimes you'll be forced to make hard choices. Do I do this, which I really, 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 really want to do, or do I do this that I know is the harder choice? Sometimes we'll be misunderstood and ridiculed by others. Sometimes the enemy, Satan, will do anything and everything possible to distract us and to derail us and to help us become Martha's when we ought to be Mary's. The price may be high, but I want to tell you it's worth it. Paul put it this way, Philippians chapter 3, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us up to heaven. I'm, I'm going for it, Paul said. I'm going to make this happen. That's the price. Spiritual fitness. Resolving to pursue spiritual fitness. This morning from 1 Timothy 4, we've talked about the priority, 
of spiritual fitness. It is essential. It is of paramount importance. We've talked about the program. And we've talked about the prize. And specifically, I challenge you to resolve that during 2015 you'll join me in making every effort to keep yourself spiritually fit by regularly participating in Sunday morning worship services, by seeking ways to show and share my faith with others, by intentionally building relationships with other Christ followers, by making a daily quiet time an everyday discipline in my life, and by finding a place to serve according to my shape. Now certainly, those five New Year's resolutions are worthy of our consideration, are they not? As we get ready to wrap up this year and get ready for a new year ahead of us. Let's close today's lesson by reading these words from Paul. They're such great words. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 26. Let's read them together. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for that finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. Oh, I love that.